All right, I think we're getting all started up here. <clears throat> Hold on, we're smiling for a thumbnail on uh, on uh, uh, YouTube. So those of you watching on Facebook, those of you going to pick this up on Facebook, you're just going to have to bear with us for a second while we do this. Three, two, one, and there it is. And then we're going to go live on YouTube. Yes, we are. So for those of you that want to see us on YouTube, you can. Those of you that want to see us uh, on Facebook, you are seeing us. Uh, here we are. Good. <coughs> it is, and gentlemen, <coughs> it is um, uh, 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And what are you watching? You're watching episode 21 of Living on a Thin Line. This is our daily podcast uh, that we do every day at 2 p.m., except Saturdays when we do it Saturday night at 7 p.m. So we got a little Saturday night show going on. Uh, your daily distraction diversion from um, all the important things that you have to deal with during the day. Uh, I know that for those of you that are still working, <clears throat> work is twice as stressful. I know for those of you that are out of work, that it's 10 times as stressful. And every once in a while, we just need something a little silly or a little goofy or a little fun to look at. And here it is. Um, you're able to see us uh, uh, three different ways or uh, be able to access, access us three different ways. Here on Facebook Live, where I want to say hi to Brianna, Sandy, Diane, Hal, Mike, Ramsey, Kevin Brown. Hey, hey, Kevin Brown. And also on YouTube, for those of you uh, who want to uh, subscribe to us on the Comedy Schools channel on YouTube. Um, what do we do here today? We ask you questions, ask you how your day is going, what you're doing to keep uh, uh, home and heart together. Uh, we tell you a little bit about our day, and then we have um, relic. We have goofy little things here. We have uh, autographed uh, novelties, and we have... Um, Initially, this pod. Initially, this pod. Initially, this podcast. Initially, this podcast. Initially, this podcast. Initially, this podcast was not going to be about um, vinyl records from the '60s, '70s, and '80s. So, something to kind of. Uh, we're looking for something to kind of. Uh, we're looking for something to kind of. Uh, we're looking for something to kind of. Uh, we used to call it the home home office. We used to call it the home home office. We used to call it the 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 home. We used to go to the home. This is the home office of ComedySchools.com in what we uh, have been calling the entertainment capital of Arizona, uh, Maricopa, Arizona. And we uh, base that statement on the fact that uh, we have seen Dwight Yoakam twice at the casino down the street. There is within walking distance, if you feel like a nice stretch of the legs, about two miles or so, a uh, casino uh, right down the street from us where they have, hello, Ian. Uh, hello, Diane Hall, where they have uh, live entertainment, and uh, we've Fog Hat played there free. So if you need a reason, entertainment cap, also place the entertainment capital. If you need, if you want to, if you want proof that Maricopa is the entertainment capital of Arizona, I just gave it to you. Made free at the uh, casino, the Harris Auction Casino. Uh, like all entertainment venues, currently it is closed. Hello, my dear brother, Jerry Visick. I hope you guys are all doing well. It is closed, uh, temporarily closed. So uh, we cannot access live entertainment. Uh, a lot of the uh, late night shows, um, Jerry said he successfully saw me on YouTube a minute ago. Fantastic, Jerry. Please subscribe if you're not a subscriber. Need to build those subscriptions up. Um, a lot of the uh, television shows that we love, um, the current season of Fargo is not going to air because they weren't finished filming it when all this hit and they had to shut down production. That was supposed to start in a couple of weeks. Uh, Shirley and I have gone all the way through uh, the Netflix show Ozark. We'll be looking for other Netflix shows to access. Um, along with that, we are now finishing up Homeland on Showtime. 
which has been a regular show that we like to watch. Uh, and, of course, Better Call Saul is still airing weekly, but now it's starting to drop off quite a bit. Uh, there's just not a lot of production going on. So we have to find ways to entertain ourselves. <clears throat> I'll tell you something. A long time ago, a long time ago, before uh, the advent of recorded entertainment, before they figured out how to be able to uh, uh, grooves, grooves on a, uh, uh, a platter of wax, before they figured out how to be able to send waves through the air, okay, and have them picked up on the radio, uh, people, for the most part, learned how to entertain themselves in their homes. That's what they did. They, if, they were, if they were wealthy enough, they had a piano. If they didn't have a piano, maybe they had a guitar or a banjo. And a banjo was... But way back when, say in the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century, the banjo was the instrument of choice for any uh, string-playing musician, uh, not the guitar. The guitar was just a rhythm, uh, a rhythm instrument, but the car guitar was cheaper than the banjo, and you could buy it out of the Sears catalog. They did a weird thing back then where they went into a catalog and ordered things. Uh, how strange. We're kind of back to that. And they'd have musical instruments in their home, and they learned how to sing and dance and recite poems and uh, do sketches and do dress up in their home. That's what families did. Every once in a while, groups of them would get together someplace, uh, groups of families. And that's kind of what we got to do right now. We have to be able to entertain ourselves. We have to learn new ways to connect. Now, the, re the thing that we have that they didn't have is this. We've got Facebook Live. We've got YouTube. We've got internet-based radio stations. So we can still reach out. Okay, and always remember this. This is the saying that I heard on the radio that I love. Socially distant is not emotionally distant. Socially distant is not emotionally distant. Thank you, Arthur, for watching. I appreciate it. So we're going to stay emotionally close. That's what we're going to do. As all of us go through the challenges uh, coming up, we're going to learn how to stay emotionally close. And that's one of the reasons I started doing a show. A wonderful songwriter in Texas. Excuse me, I'll take a little drink of water. <clears throat> A um, wonderful uh, songwriter in Texas named Jim Lacey uh, recommended I start doing this every day. And uh, I thought, what the heck? We have to build new schedules and new ways to do things in our personal lives. Shirley and I, um, a new schedule, okay? Because schedules are kind of important, okay? And so this is one of the things that we're doing. Along with this, we have now been building. Uh, Diane Hall said, got YouTube to work today. Subscribe. Thank you, Diane. Guys, keep subscribing to YouTube. There you are. It's a little better shot. I'm going to improve that shot right now. Um, that's my own fault. Shirley, do me a favor and push the computer screen forward a little bit. See if we can improve this YouTube shot for our YouTubers. That's nice. Now it looks good. Look at that. Um, uh, along with this, we have been um, uh, manically, manically um, building our online workshop business our online workshop business. We now have an advanced comedy class that is meeting on Zoom. And this week, starting on Thursday, we're going to have our first beginning workshop on Zoom. And it's a, uh, right now, it's a, a small and powerful uh, bunch of people who uh, all, over the, uh, all over the country, all over the world, who have uh, decided they would like to take this stand-up comedy workshop. And if you know someone, uh, it's not a mirrored shot on YouTube. Excellent, excellent. If you know someone who would be interested in, um, for whatever reason, you know, just for fun, as a diversion, as a distraction, because they want to um, be ahead of the game 
for when the social distance phase of American life is over. They want to take a uh, stand-up comedy workshop. Schools.com. Go to ComedySchools.com or here at uh, on uh, ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. By the way, uh, for those of you who just want to listen, for those of you who just want to listen, those of you that are busy doing something, you go, I'd, I'd rather just listen and don't want to look on YouTube or on Facebook Live. Uh, the audio of the show is at ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. All right, let's get to the, uh, the silly stuff that we show you every day. All right, so here's the first thing I'm going to show you. Look at that. All right, my YouTube friends, look at that. Look at that. Okay, look at that. What is that? Yes, it is an L.A. Clippers hat. It is a never worn and now rather old L.A. Clippers hat. And this is an autographed hat that we went to, um, my daughter Alicia and I, uh, went to a, a Clippers game because we're big Clipper fans. And that's one of the things I'm looking forward to when this is over, getting back to going to basketball games, what fun they are. Uh, where you could get things autographed. They would autograph things. And we went and bought this hat. And this was during the Elton Brand era. And right there is uh, Elton Brand's autograph. Not a big deal to any of you, most likely. There's just not a lot of Clipper fans in the world. Although uh, up until this took place, they had sold out every game, something like three, four years in a row at least. Wow, this hat cost me 25 bucks. I paid 25 bucks for a hat. Um, champ said, wow, get cut off. Uh, did you get cut off, Champ? Is that what happened? Um, I apologize for that. I tried to hop back on. Um, and so we got this autograph. And El the Elton Brand era of uh, uh, Clippers baseball, Clippers basketball, I'm sorry, was kind of cool. And it was because the team, which has always been a, a bad team, except for on rare occasions in the early 90s, uh, was also became a pretty good team in the mid-2000s. Uh, are you back now, champ? Obviously, because you put, yep. Uh, and uh, my daughter and I started going to Clipper games because uh, they were cheap, and I didn't have a lot of money, and the Lakers were very expensive, and she was in a basketball league. So we started going to Clipper games, and it didn't really matter if they won or lost. We just had fun the whole, um, the whole process, the whole process of, you know, getting in the car and going downtown or getting on what then had become the uh, brand new L.A. subway and riding that from our neighborhood in the San Fernando Valley to downtown Los Angeles. Uh, by the way, what a difference in downtown Los Angeles from when I first started going to Clipper games at Staples Center in 2000, 2001, where the train would pull up and there was just a vast expanse and then Staples Center kind of rising up from about a lot of empty kind of parking lots and abandoned lots uh, rising up, you know, in this beautiful blue building. Now, all of downtown is built up uh, massively. And I look forward to the day that I can go back to downtown Los Angeles and be in a traffic jam. So, um, uh, but when we went and saw the Clippers and they were not very good, but then by the mid-2000s, a team inexplicably came together with Elton Bland, Brand, Corey Maggette, Bad Back Sam Cassell. Uh, I'm trying to remember some of the uh, names of some of the other people that were on the team. Uh, and they actually went to the playoffs. They went to the playoffs. And I went to my one and only playoff game. They beat the Lakers in the first round and lost, my Phoenix friends, Phoenix friends, to the Phoenix Suns in the second round. Trey Goodman said he'll give me 30 for it. Not on your life. That used to be the thing. A lot of people buy um, autographed stuff. They buy autographed stuff thinking, it'll be worth some money someday. Uh, that was never my uh, intention. I just like having these things 
because it gave me a connection to something greater than myself. And we all kind of need that, okay? We need that in small and silly and insignificant ways like um, autographs, and we need it in bigger ways, connection to something greater than myself, my family, connection greater than myself, my higher power. These connections will see us through. These connections will see us through. And as I look around this room at all the stuff I've collected over the years, I don't consider it junk. They are, they are the little periods and commas and chapters in my life that I can actually hold in my hand and touch and remember when. So that's what we had. Autograph uh, LA Clippers hat from 2005, 2006. Pretty cool. Now we're going to get into the uh, record albums. This is going to be kind of fun. Okay, we're getting into the record albums. So what I've done is I'm rediscovering my vinyl record collection. When was the last time that you sat down and listened to an album on a vinyl? When was the last time? Maybe you don't even have a record player in your house anymore. When was the last time you went through your old vinyl record collection? Remember what those records meant to you? Or even your CD collection. You know, and that's one of the good things about having something physical. Uh, I love to be able to download. I love to be able to go on YouTube and spend hours, you know, going through and watching videos of uh, my favorite bands and watching performances or watching comedy performances. I love it, love it, love it. But there's something about being able to hold something in your hand, okay? Something from your past, something even from your present, okay, that will connect you with it. And that's one of the things with vinyl records. They weren't just the record themselves, it was the album cover. Champ de Blasio has got to go. Catch you tomorrow. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Champ. So I'm going to show you something really kind of weird here. Okay, and tell you about my connection to it. Look at that. Look at that. We're doing offbeat records today, okay? Look at that. Look at that. What is that? That is Chubby Checker Limbo Party. The dance craze that's sweeping the country. Now, have your own limbo party. So, uh... So uh, um, there was just a really weird kind of pop, Cheryl, in the uh, headphones right now. So um, anyway, have your own limbo party. There you go. You're getting the uh, technical part of this as uh, you're actually getting the uh, hopefully entertaining part of it. Uh, <laughs> she says they don't hear it. Limbo party, uh, La La Limbo, Marianne Limbo, smart, uh, smart man, woman smarter. That's the dot, da 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 The women are smarter. That's right. Baby come back. Somebody bad stole the wedding bell. Ba the Bossa Nova. Limbo Rock, which was the hit. Uh, when the Saints Go Limbo in. Jamaica Farewell. Banana Boat Limbo Song. Uh, a limbo version of Daylight Come and Me Want to Go Home. And, of course, a limbo version of La Bamba by Richie Valens. So why I found this album. I, pretty, I did not buy this album brand new. I'll tell you that. You can see it right there. You can see it right there. I did not buy it brand new. I came across it where I think someone gave it to me. It ended up in my collection. And uh, Chubby Checker was not so much known for uh, his Limbo record, but he came out with a song that changed dancing in America called The Twist. The name of the song was The Twist. And it was, come on, baby, let's do the twist. Come on, baby. It goes like this. And it was a dancer. He just kind of stood it kind of shook back and forth like this. It changed American dancing. Up until that point, American dancing had been something where people were touching one another. Uh, looks like the twist might be coming back, huh? Uh, where uh, they held hand, that with one hand, that, uh, they held each other's hands. Another hand, they had the hands around one another's waist. And then they moved about in concert on the floor together. And dancing had changed in the 50s. 
with the jitterbug, which was a much faster version of uh, dancing. It had settled down in the 40s and 50s to sort of a, uh, a box step type, type of thing. But then jitterbugging was fast. When the twist came out, people let go of one another and began to express their bodies freely. And the song that made it happen, uh, let's see, Arthur Belkind goes, Peppermint Lounge in New York, Joe Pepitone. Yeah, yeah. The song that made it happen was The Twist. Let's do The Twist. Come on. First you show around and it goes like this. Bebop, twist and twist. So that was a pretty cool time in America. I really love The Twist. My parents, when I was in 1961, 62, I was six, seven years old. They were six, 16, in their early 20s. In their early 20s. And they were such alive people. And they would have parties at the house, the uh, three-room apartment, big three rooms, apartment that we had in Old North St. Louis. And sometime on Saturday nights, they'd move the kitchen table, move everything back so the whole kitchen was wide open, and put on records and dance. And they would dance, and they would dance to the twist, or they'd go to the corner bar, which was John's Tavern. Uh, two blocks up was Pulowski's, uh, a more uh, colorful name. John's Tavern and put quarters in a jukebox and dance, you know, and uh, husbands and wives, and, uh, boyfriends and girlfriends, husbands and wives would dance together, and it was perfectly acceptable in those days to then go over to the table, table and go, do you, uh, would you mind, uh, I'd like to ask your wife to dance, and for them to do that. Why that was, you see that in old movies too, why that was acceptable and why it was not considered an issue, I don't understand, but uh, it was a, a perfectly acceptable and encouraged part of American culture for many, many years, and then uh, guys would come over and ask my mom to dance, or to ask my dad, do you mind if I dance with your wife? And he danced with their wives, and uh, my dad was a pretty rowdy dancer, so that led to some uh, other type of dancing on occasion, and my mom was very pretty, and she'd have to watch the guys getting handsy, <laughs> so it led to some interesting Saturday nights. When I think about it, there might have been a reason why, uh, they used to take us to the bar with them on Saturday nights, we'd play the little uh, pinball games and stuff, in the corner of the bar. But all of a sudden, for some reason, I think that the whole party shifted to the house. I think it was uh, one too many fist fights and one too many hands that dropped from the uh, small of the back to the uh, top of the butt. <laughs> but they loved the twist, and my parents danced to the twist. So we talked about Chevy Checker. We talked about my parents. Uh, if you guys got any questions or anything you want to talk about right now, I, before I show you the uh, next record album, uh, I'd love to take your questions. Or if you just want to listen, I get that too. Uh, I hope you're hanging in okay. It's, it's a bizarre, tough, scary time. Um, we're living, um, I'm living a day at a time. I'm taking each day one day at a time. I'm planning for a positive future uh, while uh, staying root, totally rooted. Jerry, my brother Jerry said we'd sit under a table sometimes and eat potato chips and drink Coca-Cola uh, at those uh, bars. That's right, bars. Yes, we did. Yeah, they, uh, they couldn't afford a babysitter. They worked, you know. My dad had a job at a factory. My mom would be a stay-at-home mom, or if he got laid off, she'd get a job in a factory. didn't pay as well. I don't know how that all worked when I think about it. But uh, they didn't have a lot of money, and they wouldn't get a babysitter. And the bar was basically, if you walk from your backyard into your living room, that's how far away the bar was. It was a pretty, uh, pretty compact urban area. Uh, that was very convenient. You could walk out of our front door and walk down two doors, and there was a confectionery. Cross the street, there was a bar. Then cross the street from the bar, 
was the grocery store. All right, uh, about four blocks away was the Catholic church where we went to church and the Catholic school where we went to school. Quite a neighborhood. But the folks there were working class, didn't have a lot of money, so the idea of a babysitter just never really... Um, every once in a while, my grandparents would babysit us. But mostly, they'd just take us over to the bar and go, here, kids, here's some dimes, go play the jukebox, here's some nickels, go play the pinball machine, or here, here's the soda, it's a potato chip, just sit here on the floor. Uh, and we'd sit there while they uh, drank beer and uh, danced and laughed and loved. Arthur Belkind says the Peppermint Lounge in Manhattan was the home of the twist owned by Joe Pepitone. Yes. Okay. You know what? I seem to recall that. Thank you, Arthur. Uh, and uh, we'd like more information on that if you have it. Um, and while that's true for most of middle America, I think the thing that uh, exploded the twist across, at least where I live in middle America, was uh, Chubby Checker's uh, hit record of it. But the Peppermint Lounge was the home of it. I do remember that. I do remember that. So thanks for that info. Okay. Uh, Jim Perry says, thanks. Was a break dancer in high school. Now I can't touch my toes. Yeah, yeah. We've all been there, man. We've all been there. Uh, so uh, I can touch my toes. It's just um, I have to then uh, sit on the floor, cross my legs, bend down, and uh, grab one foot and kind of bring it up slightly and touch it with one finger. So that's how I can still touch my toes. Uh, time and tide, time and tide takes us through many different things. Let's go on to the second record of the day. And like I said, today I'm doing, sometimes I'm doing things that were extremely uh, popular to my generation. We've talked about the Rolling Stones. We've talked about Janis Joplin. We've talked about those sort of things. Today I thought I'd do something a little more obscure. Uh, Chubby Checker now being obscure yet quite popular in his time. But when you get to the era of album-oriented rock, of, uh, uh, say, San Francisco music, the Beatles forward, uh, Chubby Checker and that type of music, I say it fell out of favor, but it just, you know, a new generation was listening to new stuff. And that's what happens with pop music. Excuse me. With pop music, new generations listen to new stuff. Diane Howell says, My mother and many of her female relatives were aghast. My dad took me to the pool hall. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was like a pool hall. What happens next? It's, it's like, uh, it's like a, um, a music man thing, you know, in pool halls. Children hanging out in pool halls, doing pool hall things. Uh, I have a story about my uh, dad taking uh, my two brothers and I to a bar with, a, uh, uh, with several pool tables in it that I cannot tell, <coughs> excuse me, on the air here or ever. Uh, anyway. Uh, they, they bought me pop. Yeah. I am. You know, we used to, my dad would take me to bars when I was a little kid and everybody was always nice. They'd sit you at a bar and we go, get the kid a soda. Uh, that was the life they led. They didn't think they were doing anything wrong. They probably weren't doing anything wrong. They worked hard. They drank hard. They lived hard. Um, anyway, uh, if anybody's got any other stories about that, I'd love to hear them. Hello, Matthias Spear. Hello, Gordy Spike Rutman. So I said earlier, we were talking about, uh, music that was big, say post Beatles in the rock era. All right, now this album came out in the rock era in the 70s, although you wouldn't really consider it, uh, you wouldn't really consider this uh, pop or rock, although there was one big pop hit, and here it is. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. This is Freddie Fender recorded inside the Louisiana State Prison. 
that became a popular thing to do after uh, Johnny Cash did uh, uh, live, uh, live uh, from Folsom Prison. This is uh, Freddie Fender, and the um, and we're going to go into who Freddie Fender was in a moment. The songs are "My Happy Days Have Gone," "Our Pledge of Love," "I Hope Someday You'll Forgive Me," "Hello Loneliness," "My River," "Quit Checking Me Baby," "Bye Bye Little Angel," "The Village Queen," "Carmela," "Oh My Love," "Blow of Your Love," and "Gonna Be Looking." Those are the songs. What you may have noticed, if you know anything about Freddie Fender. And why would you? Uh, if you know anything about Freddie Fender, is that he had two huge pop hits that are not on this record. Because I'm kind of a weirdo that someone would have a big hit and I'd go out and buy their other stuff to see if that wor worked as well. And this is a pretty good thing. Freddie Fender was a Tex-Mex singer, uh, regionally uh, famous uh, in the, uh, down in Texas and on the border uh, way back in the 60s and 70s. But then in the mid-70s, he had a huge hit with a uh, real tearjerker of a song called Before the Next Teardrop Falls. And it was a smash hit. And it was a great slow tune. It was a great slow dance slow tune. And then he had another hit with a uh, kind of a uh, little swing song called Wasted Days and Wasted Nights. Wasted days and wasted nights. Dun, 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 dun. So... Huge, two huge hits. Had a crazy looking afro. Look at that. Look at that. You know, with the mustache. That's just a drawing. Uh, so uh, I have this album. I can't tell you the last time I listened to this record. Maybe when I first bought it. And I'm pretty sure I didn't buy it new. Uh, he used to sing a song about a girl in a red dress. Well, if anybody knows what that song is, I would love to hear it. Okay? Uh, but if you ever get a chance and you don't know him, Google or YouTube, Freddie Fender, uh, Before the Next Teardrop Falls, and, of course, the kind of fun song, uh, Wasted Days and Wasted Nights. Sandy, hey, Sandy. She said I had that on vinyl long ago. So, um, man, you know what I don't have, guys, and I'm, I'm uh, uh, I just don't have it, is I don't have my 45 collection. For those of you who don't know, what were 45 RPM records? They were singles. They weren't even really singles because they were doubles. There was a, it was a small, round, much smaller uh, record than an album, and it only had two songs, one on each side. And that was what you bought before you started buying albums. They were only 99 cents, so you could afford them. I had a huge collection of 45s from when I was young and didn't have a lot of money, but I always loved music, buying it. You could play them on little um, portable record players, um, and they all burnt up in a fire in a trailer in High Ridge, Missouri. I had, a tra I had me a trailer in 1976 when I was 21 years of age in High Ridge, Missouri. And uh, one day I kicked, one night I came home and I was going to be a serious man. I go, damn it, all this partying and drinking. Uh, Sam and I ate them at your river cabin uh, with mustard. Wait, 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 my 45s? You ate my 45 records at the river cabin? Is that what you're saying, Jerry? You might have gotten loaded enough to think that was a good idea to put mustard on a vinyl record and try to chew it. Who knows? Ate them. You ate them. You ate 45 records. You ate little records, Jerry. This is my brother, Jerry, who, uh, let's see, and I'm just trying to figure out what he's trying to tell me here. I had a collection of 45 RPMs. Yes. I don't think you actually chewed them up and swallowed them. And why would you do that to my records? 
that was a, okay, all right, you did it. <laughs> it's a long story. Yeah, and I can imagine what it involves. Um, those that my brother did not eat, those which were still uh, around and available, with Sam Moffat. Yeah, well, of course, with Sam. Uh, then um, in 1976, when I was 21, I decided, I, I don't know if I decided, my father decided that I was going to be a real estate salesman. And I'd been working, you know, little jobs, the kind of jobs you worked in the 70s. Uh, I worked in a special ed home. I worked construction. I worked at a pizza hut. Um, you know what? I liked all those jobs, damn it. Uh, but then I was going to be a real estate salesman. I was going to real estate school and I came home one night and in my trailer, which I had originally lived in with my brother, Jerry, uh, but he had moved out. Um, he'd found a lady friend. Um, uh, there were people already partying in my house and uh, I got a little upset with that and I tossed them all out. I said, you guys go. Uh, I got to get some sleep. I got serious stuff to do. And a cigarette butt had been dropped down on the couch, I assume. And I woke up and the place was on fire. And uh, we barely got out with our uh, shirts. Matter of fact, we have shirts. I had a girlfriend at the time. She was with me. We got out. Then I realized that my old roommate, Gary, my new roommate at the time, Gary, was in there. We got uh, Gary out. And most of the trailer burnt up. Most of the trailer burnt up. The living room, the kitchen, the uh, little bedroom. The only thing that was saved was the back bedroom. And that's where I had all my 45s. Some of my 45, uh, I mean, that's where I had all my vinyl albums. I had about 20 vinyl albums out front, and those got lost along with my entire collection of 45 RPMs. Kelly Wilson is a counselor. Was I a counselor? Is that what I was? I don't remember being a counselor. I worked at a special ed home. Oh, yeah, that's it. I had some kind of fancy title, uh, habilitation counselor. I have no idea what it meant. It was a glorified babysitting job. I loved that job. We will talk about that job uh, on a future episode or episodes. Uh, anyway, I lost all my 45s, including Jerry Lee Lewis uh, records on the Sun label. But the fire department got there and was able to put out the fire before it burned the back bedroom where my albums were. And I have been able to show you some of those saved albums today. And I will tell you something. In that year of 1976, when that took place, within the period of a week or two, uh, I had lost my job. My car blew up. And my trailer burned down. I know it sounds like a country song. I'd lost my job. It's true, though. My engine blew up in my 76 Le Mans, and my trailer burnt down, and I was left bereft. Okay? And I'm here to tell you something now, and I'm going to tell this to you. All right? Someday, what seems like the worst day of your life becomes the best day of your life. Maybe not the day, but it becomes where you move forward. So you think about that right now. Don't be sitting on your bum. Don't be staring off out in space. Sure, you're going to do some of it. I do some of it. Don't be sitting around going, what happened? Because it happened. We're going to deal with it. We're going to deal with it. Okay? All right? But then you go, what can I do to move forward from today? And some days it'll seem like you're swimming through molasses. Some days it'll seem like it's too insurmountable. Some days you may be living in the old cliche, uh, God doesn't give you more than what you can handle and then the second part of the cliche, which is separate, change of cliches, but I don't know why he thinks I'm so strong. Some days you may be living through that, but we're going to move forward through it. I am, you are, we all are. All right, we dedicated ourselves to doing this only 30 minutes a day, so it doesn't just become some long, meandering uh, two-hour podcast. 
It's a, it is now officially a short meandering podcast. But we like seeing all of you guys here. We like when you leave comments here. We like seeing you on YouTube. We love it. And we love that you're listening on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. Please go to the Comedy Schools channel on YouTube and subscribe. Tell your friends. Send them a link. Send them, uh, you know, go to my page, uh, Facebook page, Tony Visick, and find the show. We download it and send it to people and ask them to join in as well. The more, In this case, the more the merry. And remember, remember, social distancing does not mean emotional distancing. I love you all very much. I'm going to see you tomorrow, 2 p.m., Living on a Thin Line, Facebook Live, YouTube Comedy Schools, and ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. Bye-bye.